1: And your host today is me, T.C. Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Phil Wood, the IT Service Delivery Director at EasyJet. Or, as people like to say within the company, the company with an orange spirit. We're going to get to look under the covers of the airline, one that I've used on many occasions and I'm sure many of you, audience, have as well. So let's not delay, let's get Phil into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Phil. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Thank you. It's brilliant.
0: So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? So uh, I'm the service delivery director and I work for uh, EasyJet, um, which I'm sure many of you will uh, not only know, but will have used. Um, and my role is to not only run the day-to-day uh, IT operations across the business, but also make sure that they are, uh, you know, continue evolving and making sure they give a great customer and colleague experience. So uh, obviously, EasyJet's been around uh, for 25 years now, and um, from an EasyJet holidays, that's that, that launched just before the COVID uh, COVID pandemic. So. Uh, it was a, a, a tough launch, uh, but even in that early days, we had a really good take-up. But what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of demand um, post the pandemic. So we're we really looking at kind of uh, 22, uh, you know, the 2022 onwards. Yes. So I, you know, I'm massively confident that our holidays business is going to be massively successful. That's right. I mean, I mean the old easy, easy jet. It was
1: a, a- big disruptor in the kind of market. They really kind yeah. of uh, rocked the uh, the whole market and uh, set kind of new new standards and um, a w- a ways in which you could kind of fly and stuff like that. So is, it, is that something that kind of follows through in your, um, uh, your kind of uh, IT and, and the way your company is run? Uh,
0: uh, absolutely. There's something at the heart of East Joe, we call it the orange spirit. <laughs> and uh, cool. it's very much uh, an entrepreneurial um, uh, spirit that we have within uh, within the business. We like to break new ground. We like to do things differently. I like you say disrupt the market. There's lots of things that we've done uh, through our history, which we were the first to do. Um, and, you know, th- that spirit is still there uh, very much in everything we do now. And holidays is a good example. We're not just going to be your traditional holidays uh, organiser where you turn up at your destination, you meet someone with a clipboard, you get on the bus. It's going to be a much more digital uh, end-to-end experience. So uh-huh. it's really taking the, the, the stuff that we did as part of growing the airline and moving that into the holiday. Excellent. Market. That's great. So
1: coming back to yourself, your journey to your tech leadership position—what's that been like?
0: Um, so, I, I think my journey started off really as someone who broke stuff. So I was a tester, <laughs> right? That, that's how I got into into IT, so to speak. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a curiosity there, which is how the things work. And I suppose my brain worked as if, if you understood how to break it, you'd understand how it works. Hmm. Um, that led then very much to okay, well, how do you make things so they, they can't break, or uh, how do you make things a lot easier to use, and and that's really been at the heart of, of everything that I've done in my entire career. So I've worked from project management into areas of development, kind of early days of DevOps, uh, and then more recently got it to uh, into the into the service side. But at the heart. Um, it's always been around that kind of experience and, and um, how things work mm. that's really mm. kind of really kind of got me out of bed in the morning. Yes. And um, I mean, I love any 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 kind of product design where someone has kind of a challenged a kind of norm or really thought about the customer experience. That's the bit that I find really exciting. So anything new that I see where I thought Ash, it's a really really interesting way of of uh, designing a product because you've really thought about the customer rather than just thinking about the technical side of it.
1: Yeah, great. That's brilliant. Very similar to myself. I was uh, actually I went. A, I, maybe I, we were the same. I went a little bit further. I used to break stuff to see what was inside. You know, I think yeah. I don't know if that's just a, a typical kind of boy thing, but I, I used to get told off all the time. You know, uh, new transistor radio. There it is in pieces. Dad would go absolutely uh, <laughs> off his head, rocker over it. Um, so it's obviously what your company does. Okay, you're you're in the in the flights business. You're in airports. you're Your holidays now. Um, from a tech perspective. I mean, what's your role? What are you? What's the value you're d-
0: delivering to business, and what's your kind of purpose within the business? Um, so, uh, you know, we we are a a digital company, but what does that mean? It means that for, for our business to be successful, that the IT has got to work. And uh, there's a term that I use is, is you know it's it's just got to work. And I, I talk about this that when you come home at night and you you flip the light switch on, you never think. Well, I hope the electricity works. I hope the electricity provider has, has, you know, done everything they do. You just assume and expect it to work, yeah. And that's a, 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 a the mentality that we need to have about systems. We're a massively dynamic business, um, not just from a, a you know, new ideas and, and innovation and, and new technology, but we need to be we need to be very fleet of foot in the moment. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that we're dealing with. Uh, passengers, uh, where you know millions of passengers, where schedules change, you know we're we're up against all sorts of external factors that impact the customer journey, be it from uh, you know delays in the airport, be it to be a uh, bit to uh, challenges with with kind of the planes, with uh, you know boarding people, even mm. to things like volcanoes. I mean, you know, there's, there's uh, the last few weeks there's been two we have to to, to deal with, <laughs> so. The last thing you want is, you know, you, you want any disruption to that. So every minute, every second counts. Mm. We measure our business on our ability to deliver the customer promise. So any latency, any availability issues of our systems really, really have an impact on us. And, you know, I, I just want the IT to, to, to work. I don't want anyone to have to think about yes worrying about it it's just got to be there it's just got to work yeah
1: and this is one of the interesting things about doing cto confessions is that tech leaders don't tend to have the limelight on them unless something goes wrong you know yeah. um uh, you know so it's, i guess you're kind of happy that nobody's calling you or uh, uh speaking your name you know your ears are burning you know <laughs> i mean
0: that, that that's i mean you're know, working in, in service that's that's uh something that you live with is you know when i first got into service you kind of realize very quickly that if no one rang you, it wasn't that you weren't doing a good job. It's actually because you were doing a good job because actually nothing had broken. Yes. But I think service is much, much more than just break, fix these days. I think service is about, you know, that to me is the stuff that you have to get right. That stuff is, is uh, you know, the kind of bread and butter Yeah. taken for granted. You've got to do it. I think you need to do more now. You need to really uh, delight the customer. You actually need to demonstrate that the services you provide not only uh, enable them to do their job, but enable them to do it easier, and enable them to do things differently. So, uh, yes, you can do big transformations. Yes, you can do big, um, uh, you know, changes in technology. But actually, I think technology now is an evolving uh, beast. It changes on a day by day basis. And yes. lots of the technology and platforms that we use are consumer, you know, they're the consumer products. You know, you think about Microsoft uh, products. You think about um, AWS products these things are constantly evolving. So on a day-to-day basis, they're changing and new things can happen. Yeah. So you, as a service team, you have to make sure that you are constantly helping the business get the most out of what they've got. The, the key thing that, that people look for in, in, in my role is about just making sure the IT works. And for the airline industry, we have a lot of external factors that, um, that will impact the colleague journey. And that can be from uh, disruptions in the airport, disruptions boarding the plane, you know, late passengers. Um, and even on the flight, you've got things like uh, environmental factors, be it, you know, rain, sleet, snow. And when we're dealing with two volcanoes over the last two weeks, these, these are difficult things we need to deal with. So every second counts because uh, it has an impact on the, on the customer experience. So from an IT perspective, we can't have systems which are um, not performing or not mm. available. Yeah. but service for me is not just about you know that, that kind of break fix uh, it is about making sure we're constantly delighting the customer and with with technology now being kind of dynamically updated you know products that we buy are not just uh static they're constantly evolving there's new features all the time so it's making sure we get the most out of that and making sure that um you know the the, the users and our colleagues using the systems are uh, aware of the new capabilities that it delivers. Great, great. I mean, that's fantastic.
1: I imagine there's lots of uh, healthy, healthy fat feedback loops, you know, so you kind of know uh, what you're doing, and, and data kind of flowing back that kind of tells you what's happening, uh, so that you can
0: act on that. Uh, massively. I mean, the amount of data that, that exists, uh, you know, from from a, a customer journey perspective, it is huge, and uh, you know, one of our kind of key uh, objectives about is about being the most data driven airline because. There's so much data you can use, and it's amazing how you can interchange that data to use it in different ways. So, for example, um, you know, data that we collect around the kind of pitch and of the plane. So, you know, is the plane uh, what position it is? You can actually use that while it's on the ground to uh, to to identify if the plane's been hit, as in, you know, if, if a, a a a vehicle a support vehicle is. is, is you know accidentally right. hit the plane you could feel it but the one that i found was the most innovative was these are so sensitive you can actually work out the footfall of people getting on and off the plane so you can actually get the data as to what is the most effective way of getting people off the plane wow. based upon the sensors on the actual plane itself that there is literally millions of millions of of objects of data that we could use and right. um yeah, it's, it's quite incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah that's quite impressive. I, I didn't even kind of think of that, but I guess this is the, uh, the advent of uh, a lot of these sensors, IoT and, uh, you know, yeah. d- collecting data. And with this data, are you using uh, things like uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence, or is it kind of standard data science that you're using to pull? Uh, it, it, I mean... It-
0: what is standard data science these days? I mean, it's um, it's an incredible, uh, you know, it's an incredible growing field of, mm. of very very clever individuals and capabilities that we have in that space. Um, so it, it's a mixture of, of both. I mean, there's a lot more we want to do around machine learning and, and AI, and not just you know w- within the business itself, but we work with a lot of uh, the airports as partners, with a lot of the um, kind of you know handling authorities. Uh, you know, we even share a lot of data with people like NASA because, you know, obviously we collected data while we're flying. So, oh, wow, yeah, there's uh, stuff like um, cosmic radiation because we measure all of that. We measure all of that as a, as a uh, you know, as an airline. So we share that data. And oh, cool. um, there's, you know, again, it's, it's a big part of what we do is about making sure we, Act responsibly with with our data, and um, but there's a huge amount of benefit we can get from it. And it's not just the usual things you think of.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is really uncovering, you know, looking under the covers, you know, of uh, EasyJet and and the operations. Um, you know, I, I didn't realise they did that kind of with data. And the great thing is, it's kind of feeding into science and yeah. and maybe kind of global kind of issues as well. Rewinding back a little bit, you mentioned here about making sure that IT always has to be on. Yeah, I kind of understand that. So it's almost like we're kind of building layers of of, of complexity on top of layers of complexity. And you've got to make sure that it all kind of runs because any, any part of that kind of uh, being taken away. Uh, um, so it, I mean, what's the kind of resilience like? Let's say for example, that technology does kind of fall over. Have, have you got, do you, do you practice, uh, do you have like resilience in the system so that it can switch over or
0: what have you? Yeah, so, uh... It really does depend on 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 the system, and also you know with the um, use of things like pass and SaaS services, you know you've got a lot of uh, resilience with with third parties. But absolutely, I mean you know we, we aim to have uh, our systems available regardless of the uh, kind of disaster event that, that may or may not happen in the background. Yeah, and I think the 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 kind of the categories of disasters you could have now has has, has grown uh dramatically so you know traditionally you've got the classic well we've you know we've, we've lost the data center it could be down to to to, to flooding it could be down to uh, power outage but you know in, in the connected world that we live in now your your it is 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 global so a the possibility of these things happening is is much more uh frequent because it's uh you know, your, your data centers are basically everywhere Hmm. But you've also got you know, connectivity challenges. You've Cybersecurity is a massive um, uh, kind of issue across all sectors, and it's something that we're massively focused on to make sure that our data is safe. And then the pandemic is a crisis, let's yes. be clear. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't affect – it doesn't stop you. It doesn't break the systems, hmm. but it puts a huge amount of pressure on because all of a sudden you are now running basically what you would call a BCP event you know as the normal disasters but you've also got things like uh obviously the pandemic that is a disaster uh it's a crisis event and as a crisis event your it needs to be able to deal with what that brings and it might not have a direct impact on availability but it definitely has an impact on how you access your systems literally overnight you've invoked a business continuity plan because your entire workforce is now remotely accessing your systems
1: yes yeah fascinating stuff and uh and and in terms of the people, the number of people working in this system, you know, um, I mean, what, what are we talking about? Hundreds? Uh... So, I mean, there's, there's, there's
0: over 16,000, 17,000 people who, yeah. who are directly uh, kind of uh, EasyJet employees. Um, but then you've got the third parties and you know, we, we work closely with airports. So there's access uh, with the airports, there's border authorities, um, you know, police authorities, you know, we have to work very closely with them. So when you add all that together, you know, you're, you're talking well, uh, you know, towards 20,000 people who are accessing the systems. And then you talk about the customers of which there are millions of customers who use EasyJet. Right. Um, so it's, uh, we we have to handle a huge amount of data and a huge amount of traffic. Yeah, cool. Coming back to yourself,
1: uh, the, the leader, um, what's the thing that really kind of makes you jump out of bed in the morning what, what's your kind of passion around the work that you do um
0: i think it's about it's about change and what i mean by that is that change from two senses one is one is that i'm always looking at how we can do things differently so if there's if there's a um uh, you know if there's a better way of doing something then uh, you know I, i'm always intrigued I, I, I was a person who, when I was younger, if someone said you couldn't do something, I was like, oh, no, I, I disagree with that. And there must be a way of doing it. So I, I'm, I'm always kind of constantly looking at new things to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, but the other aspect of change as well is, and again, the pandemic has really uh, kind of presented this with us, is sometimes you have to change because of external events. And, and, and again, you're breaking new ground. So those, those, again, it goes back to those problems you just, that people say you can't fix. Um, that really intrigues me. That really kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I almost have to find a way of doing it. <laughs> cool. Um, so, you know, when when something goes wrong, when you have a major incident, you've, you've got your heroes. You kind of, you know, your, your, your white knights. You charge in and fix it. And in that moment, collaboration and uh, you know, kind of the, the, the kind of pace and the ability to get stuff done is accelerated. And you seem to get an amazing amount of things done mm. in this kind of short period of time. I think there are ways you can recreate that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you create a crisis every time. However, um, you do, you know, if you do that in a safe and controlled manner, I call it purposeful dissonance, is you kind of create a problem to fix. And by creating a problem to fix, uh, as long as you do it in a safe environment, um, then you find that you can uh, kind of progress really, really quickly. So it's about how do you kind of create that um Uh, that buzz and excitement and collaboration that you get when something goes wrong, because you've got no choice. You've you've got to get it done. That's right. Yes. I love this idea of,
1: um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Purposeful dissonance, where you you kind of uh, poke the system, you know, or or bring something down. It reminds me of uh, one of our previous guests uh, that worked, um, you know, with uh, Netflix, you know, for example, they, you know, they turned off an entire data center, just switched it off just to see how the thing would kind of stay up and, and i imagine the excitement of what you're doing in your system where it's kind of you're doing it as everything's moving you know everything's still yeah. going you
0: know and, uh, there's a term and uh, the way you describe it is chaos monkey and <laughs> yeah they, de- they develop uh, something that literally goes in and breaks your system yeah and then i've even heard people say there's a chaos gorilla and a chaos kong where <laughs> and it is the just turn everything on and off just literally turn everything off and you're going to find what works and what doesn't work
1: yeah. again
0: the key thing is you do it safely. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to get to a point where, um, you know you can't have that impact in the customer journey. But if, if you can test your system to that extent, then back to your previous point on resilience, you know, that, that's a great way of, of making yeah. sure you've got resilience in your systems. Testing
1: that uh, must be um, an interesting moment. I think that's the way to put it. And coming to your leadership. So, how would you kind of dis- what kind of leadership has worked for you and what hasn't worked for you?
0: I think one thing I live by is that um, you've got to be comfortable to, to learn new things and don't feel scared that um, you know, the things that have got you where you are today may not be the things that will get you where you want to get in the future.
1: Mm.
0: Especially in the world of technology, um, everything changes on a day to day basis. I mean, I, I think it's almost impossible to stay relevant in every single subject. So you've got to make sure that you are A, comfortable working with some level of ambiguity, but B, comfortable you are got to learn new things every single day. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, is kind of the heart of my leadership style is with, with my teams is making sure everyone feels comfortable that, you know, they need to have a growth mindset and work in an environment which is constantly changing. And yeah. it's okay not to know as long as, you know, you're doing something about it. It's okay not to know. Oh, cool. That's quite,
1: that's quite, um, I can feel safe in that space already. I don't even, I didn't work for you and I already feel safe. Um, because th- th- there are, there are things that you don't know. It, it, there are no, there are things that you don't know that you don't know about, you know, just to kind of add another layer onto the, not yeah, know absolutely. It, you know, and, um, yeah, so I, I can imagine that leadership, uh, creates a lot of trust layer in your organizations where people are able to kind of try stuff and just do the best they can. Um, so, Here you go. This is a tough question for you, being CTO Confessions. What hasn't worked for you in the past? What can tech leaders learn from things that haven't worked for you? Um, And you thought, well, that's not doing
0: that again. Uh, Again, on the people side, it's, uh, and this is something I constantly have to check myself on, is don't always assume that people think the same way you do or get things in the same way you do. Uh, and, And context is massively important. The amount of times that I've been frustrated in a situation and I've taken that kind of step back and I've thought, what why is it that why is it not working in my head? Or, or why is it working in my head that I'm, I'm not getting the message across or things aren't how I see it, or the teams are seeing things differently. And I start looking at the, the kind of journey I went on and think, well, actually they haven't been on that journey. Or I start thinking about uh experiences in the past that they've um uh, you know, where things have worked really well. And so what was different about that than this? And so I think. I've hit blockers in the past where because we operate at such a fast pace that you can always assume that um, people have taken the same journey to get there. I've got the same information that you have. And and I think as soon as you start making assumptions, that's dangerous. That is dangerous, but it's so easy to to, to flip into that, especially when you're working in a very, very busy environment. Excellent. Yeah. It's an awareness
1: of uh, knowing, uh, trying to sit in somebody else's shoes, uh, stand in somebody else's shoes for a minute and, uh, and, and, and maybe kind of add a little bit more information to, to help them
0: get to, to where you want to. I, I fall foul of that one as well. You know, it's so- and it's, a, it's a classic IT problem where we talk about designing IT for IT. So it's not just in in managing teams, it's also in understanding, um, you know, what, what's the outcome? And what's the value that your technology is delivering? And yeah. it's so easy to, to kind of fall into um, a kind of pattern of going, well, this works really well for me. And actually, the, the, the product or the service just fails. And the reason it fails is because you've not covered it from the customer's perspective. And and you can apply this in everything. You know, you can see it on on, on things like website design, on, you know, mobile phone designs in the kind of more consumer space. But if you think even even simple things around how you run your uh, your kind of service desk or how you run your infrastructure or how you run your development teams, if you forget what the customer is trying to do, your product will not work or your service will not work. You need to constantly adapt and evolve.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. And following on from your leadership, coming on to uh, creating high-performing teams, what's the things that you do to kind of uh, create uh, more teams that are kind of delivering more business value
0: consistently? Uh, One of my kind of driving uh, kind of principles is around purpose and autonomy uh and this is really quite hard to do if you're a control freak um which occasionally i can be but um if you've got no clarity or ambiguity around what it is you're trying to do not not necessarily the environment you're working i mean yes everyone you know wants it to be easy but sometimes it's not Hmm. but if you're very clear on what your goal is and very clear on what you're trying to achieve um then you've got a real sense of purpose i think that's massively important because the flip side is, I think it has a real impact on your mental health if you don't know why. Hmm. I think if you don't know why you're doing something, I think it has an impact on you. You know, it, it's kind of the hierarchy of needs piece. Yes. Um, and but then the second part, like I say, is, is levels of autonomy, which is you don't want to then be. You know, if you've got a very clear purpose but you can't do it, so as much as you can empower people to um, uh, to you know have the autonomy to, to to do to do their job, the better. Yes. And one of, one of the key um, uh, things that kind of made the eureka moment for me a few years back was delegation. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, you're, clearly you're a manager, you've got to delegate. But it's what are you delegating? Are you delegating the task or are you delegating the authority? Hmm. Because the authority of making sure that the services and, and the teams that you run are, are supported and everything's in place, that's you. That's hmm. not me. What, what am I approving? If I say, you know, is it, is it my job to then go, okay, you're off and you're off. And you're... Actually, no, you run the team. You need to understand what you need to run that team and the services. Mm. And if my entire management team is off, that, that's not the fact that I'm going to have a problem. It's the fact that the teams and the services you run are going to have a problem. So I've delegated the authority. I often have people, uh, the teams coming to me and, and they'll ask for a decision. And, you know, my first answer is always, well, what's your recommendation? Because you're the expert, I'm not the expert. So absolutely, there's a kind of financial and legal obligation and accountability that I I carry. But when it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the experts in the systems, if they want to make a decision if something should go live, yes or no, technically, you know, I'm not going to be the person who understands that detail they are. Now, from a risk perspective, completely different, because I'm not expecting them to accept the risk they can't do that because that's a business decision, mm. but from a technical perspective, again it goes back to that purpose. yes, be clear what they're accountable for, and if you're accountable, you make the decisions and and you know you know there sometimes are consequences, but it's it's all a learning um, a learning event great, great and uh during the COVID
1: period, obviously that's challenged the business as a whole. How's that been in terms of um, uh,
0: leading those teams? Um, I mean, literally, all the stuff that I've just talked about—it's it, it, like all of those challenges gets put in front of you, and all of those um, kind of strengths and challenges you've got—you've you've got to face into. Yeah. Um, you, you've you've got to adapt, and and it's really interesting. I, I talk about the, the 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 kind of lockdown and the pandemic in, in in kind of phases. I think the first three months was adapting to the new you know, to, to this crisis. It was a crisis mode, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of teams went off adrenaline. And so therefore, and there was a level of novelness about it, it's like, oh, I'm working from home, you know, and the, the classic, oh, you're on mute, or, um, uh, you know, uh, sort your camera out, and, and people say, oh, you know. Conference uh, call bingo. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, all of that stuff, and, 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 and um, dealing with work, you know, uh, homeschooling. That was crisis mode, and then in the first three months, and um, uh, one one of my my uh, team uh, coined the phrase, which which I, I blatantly stole, which was you're not working from home, you're working in a crisis from home. But in that first three months, it was about adapting. You then went into the second part, which was then okay, this isn't three months, so so now it was draining on people, mm. and actually the kind of uh, mental health and well being part kicked in, and that was then. Again, you know, accepting the fact that you're not working from home, you're working through a crisis, but you have to make sure that you were um, having those check-ins and having that, you know, that connection with the individual. And a really, really basic thing is, uh, you know, going onto to the uh, kind of, you know, your video conferencing is having cameras on and just having that camera on when you're having one-to-ones and, and, or if you were doing team meetings or you were doing... Uh, kind of uh, town hall meetings and you were presenting or, or you you would just as a manager let people see you okay? yes the other one is also um it's okay not to be okay and that was something that we said a lot is that i would often share with people the bits that i was struggling with um i would talk quite openly about areas that i thought i would be um, struggle with but didn't or areas that i thought I'd be okay with and didn't
1: yeah um,
0: and because it was just new, it was just really, really new, and and that human interaction—it's amazing how that has an impact on people. Hmm. And um, there's going to be a real challenge in making sure that we're supporting people in that back to work uh, back to work process. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've onboarded loads of people who we've never physically met.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And so you—you, I—we I, don't overlook that. We don't want to forget that. Mm. And I think the other one, which is, is something that I've, I've read recently, which um, I think is going to be quite interesting, is the opportunity, though, of what we've learned through uh, uh, through lockdown around remote working, uh, I think is massive. Mm. And, um, you know, one thing we'll do it easy, Jet, and one thing I've said to my teams is, I am not expecting anyone to be back in the office, um, you know, kind of more than two days a week. So let's not just flip back to where we were, yeah. let's get that balance right you know let's yeah. make sure we are we are taking all the positives that have come out of this remote working scenario and bring that back into the in, into the new world and create a new normal yes. which will constantly evolve yeah um, so I think there's been a huge amount of opportunity in the uh, in the lockdown yeah
1: that sounds great very enlightening you're looking at the situation seeing what you can get out of it and i love this idea of looking at the the pros and cons of the kind of two ends you know working from home and being in the office and and creating that kind of middle way you know um uh uh, a very kind of buddhist actually it's it's interesting it's got a buddhist philosophy the middle way coming back to yourself what's the how's the covid impacted you
0: so essentially i'm i'm I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert, really, although I'm, I'm a lot of people struggle when, when I say that because I'm I'm quite, you know, I, I do enjoy interacting with people. I do enjoy, um, I, you know, I get my energy off people and I'm very much, uh, you know, I, I, I like kind of broad discussions. Um, but actually, I, I expel a lot of energy doing that. And so I, I always assumed I was an extrovert. And, and I think on the scale, i am class as an extrovert. But a lot of my energy, uh, I've put a lot of energy in to do that. So in regards to um, how I I dealt with it and how it impacted me, the first three or four months, in fact, actually the first six months, I I was in crisis mode and all my energy was making sure that we'd got everything covered and everything was okay. And actually, I was saying, you know what, I think I've been a bit more uh, productive. But I found the second half of the year really hard because I I found that I was getting into a, a bit of a, uh, my work-life balance was 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 being impacted, sure. and the reason for that was there was no start and end of the day. It, everything was just work. Even though yeah, I'm not necessarily working, but you know I, I, the things that I would do, um, you know, outside of work or the things that I would do to wind down, I would be doing in the same place I do work. So even if it was subconscious, there was no start or end of my day.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, it, where it made a bit. Where it made a um, when it became really noticeable, and it was two things. Yeah. So I I realised that it was having an impact on my home life, not because I was spending less time with my family, because I was actually spending more time with my family, but because I didn't have a home me anymore. It was Mm. kind of there was just one person. So um, there were some little things that I did, and uh, some some of them I, I kind of still do. Some of them I did for a period of time, and it made a difference. One was that I had a commute to work, so I literally went out of the house and came back in. Cool, and it, it, it's mentally, I had a, a start and end of day, yeah. Um, and I did that, and you know, it was taking the dog for a walk, for example. Um, or I did a certain activity like I was doing home training like with my gym and stuff, so I, I made sure I had a, a, a commute, if, even if it's it a virtual commute, yeah. And that made a huge difference, a massive difference.
1: Coming back to your kind of airport operations then, I'm kind of curious around your engineering challenges. What kind of engineering challenges have you got? I think one of the challenges of of,
0: of any airline is that you're having to interact with a lot of different organizations to run your business. You fly into uh, different countries, you fly into different airports, and every country and pretty much every airport has got differences. So it's not like a um, yeah. You know, if you think about a retail business, you open up a shop. You want you want to get your product. Hmm. You can just open that up anywhere, okay, uh, and you know, and online. But with an airline, to get to get your uh, your you know your customer is to give them the service that you need to do. You're you're going across different environments and different re- rules and regulations. So yeah. your IT needs to be massively flexible, and and it's quite interesting because there's two. Trains of thought is that what this led to in the earlier um, aviation industry is lots of package solutions, which meant that well, if you were on this solution and everyone was on this solution, you would be able to integrate a lot easily. But I think n- now what that's meant is with with the um, interconnected age that we live in, it means that integration is a real challenge because you you need to be able to integrate a lot um, a, a lot more um, you know, a lot quicker. And so, where you've got more bespoke products, it's harder to integrate. So you've got to get that balance right. So I think you know we we've got a strong focus on looking at how we um, introduce platform uh, more platform capabilities, so that we're able to uh, be innovative and scale up and scale down. But the kind of core interconnectivity is a lot more standard, so we're able to onboard with new new partners and new suppliers a lot a, a lot faster.
1: Here you go. Here's an interesting question for you what keeps you up at night? What what makes you sweat from a leadership perspective?
0: Genuinely, people. One thing I found when I got into, it, when I moved into the, the, the service, well, actually, even before I got into service was when you were doing projects, is that, you know, you worry about, is the system going to work and things like that. But actually, you get into a place where, you know, if, if it goes wrong, you know the team around you will fix it. Yeah. But for me, the bit that keeps me up is if, the team are in a good place if they're not in if enjoying what they do but if they, if they're not getting satisfaction or they're not getting what they, they they need out of doing their job that's what keeps me up ultimately if they're not in the right place to do it, that's the bit that bothers me and, and i think you know if i think about going to the pandemic that was something that would keep me up at night saying right is there anything more we can do
1: yeah yeah that's good i mean it's, it shows that your heart's in the right place you know this is the kind of leader uh, we like at it labs you know it's the thing that we encourage in our culture it's great to see it elsewhere as well um and uh, easy jet grow growing pains are there any kind of growing pains are, or you kind of mentioned earlier on you're going to do in the holidays as well now so i guess you are growing i mean what's the pains around that
0: um it's very similar to what i said right at the beginning actually i think you know the things that have made us successful sometimes can hold us back so sort of the innovation that we've done um ends up becoming so bespoke that it's then really hard to maintain and commoditize and so it becomes a bit of an expensive asset so i think that that's a growing pain in any organization if 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 i'm if i'm brutally honest um and and i also think as well the Identifying the you know it, the differentiators that you have as an industry. So very very early on, we were leaders in that space. Mm. And then what you've got to do is the things that you differentiate. You've got to make sure you then commoditize it. So when people are still catching up, they're building it for fresh, and therefore they're probably building it in in a, in a much more kind of scalable way. Yeah. So, I, but I think that's the same in any industry. I, I really do. And you know, I think about. Um, uh, uh, again I use an analogy here is if you think about hotels and how hotels have evolved over uh, you know the last, last like 100 years. Um you know when I was when, when you know when, when I was younger and I went to a hotel, um if they said we've got Wi-Fi, I'd be like, oh wow, this hotel's got Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. But now if the hotel didn't have Wi-Fi, I wouldn't stay with them. Absolutely. And so what was a differentiator about that is now a commodity. And if you can't maintain it as a commodity, then you start to lose customer satisfaction. And it it goes full circle back to what I said earlier on about um, it just then has to work. Yes. Whereas if you think about when you first went to a hotel and it didn't have Wi-Fi, if it didn't work, you'd be like, oh, that's a shame, but you didn't expect it. Whereas now if the Wi-Fi didn't work, you'd be furious.
1: Yeah, that's a great perspective. I love that. Yeah. Um, so factoring in uh, innovations that you got ready for commoditization so that you know it just becomes yeah. the norm. And, and uh, it, yeah, uh, accepting the fact that it's not going to be special forever and a day. I've got a really interesting question here for you. What advice would you give aspiring tech leaders out there on
0: their journey already? Um, I would definitely say the first people you need to speak to is you need to speak to the customer of the product um and i know that sounds really really basic but it's just i think it has come on in such a long or such a long journey over the last you know five years and um i think you always fall at risk of designing it for it where actually if you start with the customer and understand what the outcomes they're trying to deliver then actually your technology strategy will be a lot more successful Um, and that includes not just looking at the functionality but the experience so if you think about it in a consumer world so what you use day in day out um your decisions are driven by the ease of the technology as well as the functionality and that's what you've got to think about when you're um kind of developing a tech strategy in any organization great advice that That
1: actually uh, kind of reminds me of sometimes my behavior around technology I tend to just think about knocking some techo techie stuff out and it's not always the the right thing to be doing um okay on your journey so far have there been any books that have kind of been gateway books for you in terms of your leadership um your kind of technology kind of acumen
0: yes I mean there's a few I mean the thing is with the is I'm um i like discussion so i can read a book but i actually like to have a conversation around it but if i think about some of the things that i always go back to um w- one is a really really kind of i would say it's quite an old book now is is kaplan and norton strategy maps or balanced scorecard um and it's quite an old i'd almost say it's quite an old school book because it's it's you know it's, it's very structured in its approach but there's there's things that i always come back to when like, talking about strategy how does it look to your customer, how does it look to your shareholder or, or, or sponsor? Um, how do you want to operate internally? How does it look to your colleagues? And no matter what I do, it's that different lens. I always come back to that. Yeah. Um, and another one, and again, a really, really, um, uh, kind of well-known and, and, kind of well-trodden book, which is, uh, who moved my cheese? Oh, yes. Yes. And it, and that it, one. It, it, again, it's really, really basic, but it still stands up to the test of time. Is the fact that i often think that when we take people on a change journey we put a lot of attention on managing them through a specific change but actually if we can train ourselves and our our colleagues and, and our peers to be able to deal with change then you don't have to train them for every single change you're basically de- you know you're, you're helping them deal with any 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 level of change and in the modern world uh, you know not just in a technology world Change happens all the time, so having that resilience and adaptability, I think, is massively important. Absolutely, yeah. Change is the only
1: constant, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is there? And uh, yeah, I'll remember that book. I always um, sometimes when uh, we've got people around and we've got the old cheese uh, cheese uh, plate out, um, sometimes I'll make that joke: "Who moved my cheese?" And yeah, yeah. you know, the it's, a, it, read it.
0: It, it, it's an old book, but it still stands <laughs> the test of times. Yeah, so good, yeah.
1: Good. And um, I'm going to be tech genie for a second. Okay, you can imagine okay. me right i've kind of come out and i've offered you a wish uh, for your leadership for your kind of tech kind of space for your industry what would your
0: wish be to the tech genie i would say it's going to revolve around data and uh, i'm going to push my luck and ask for two so <laughs> so I, data is is clearly the uh, you know the, the the currency of the one world and, and being able to um use that data to um you know, generate new opportunities, new capabilities in a business. I think having a simplistic way of getting that data to work for you is is, is, a, is a wish I'd love to have. But my second would be around security, is that with that data becomes a huge amount of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a dilemma there, actually, if I think about, uh, again, the kind of evolving world, um, you know i work for an airline and we're very very conscious that um you know we, we have to play a part in the in sustainability and therefore you know we, we, you know we look to be or we are a carbon neutral um airline i think that data neutrality is going to come in at some point which is you know we've gone through a period where we're literally handed out data as, as consumers we hand out data and even the, even the more savvy of us, um, you know data we don't really think about it I think there will come a time when organizations have to not just act responsibly in regards to how we process data but recognize that some people might not want you know will not want their data and they want to work mm. for a as much as they want to fly with a carbon neutral airline they might want to transact with a, a data processing neutral airline yes. so um, I think it's yeah I think was I think that, that that's a, an area which is it needs control. Um, because I think the amount of data that gets passed now is is, is phenomenal.
1: As we come to our closing moments together, um, what's your kind of key takeaway for other tech
0: leader men and women out there? What advice would you give them? What would be your gift? Um, I would say, uh, and it's something I mentioned earlier, earlier on, it is it's about that growth mindset. It's to be a tech leader today is to learn pretty much every single day. It is, its you've got to recognise that. The world is changing so quickly. You'll never keep up with all of it. So you've got to go into situations with a very open mindset. You know, explore the art of the possible. Um, but then I also think, as a tech leader, you need to be able to make some strong decisions because otherwise, you can spend a lot of your time kind of navel gazing or, you know, ch- chasing the dream. Um, you need to be able to process the information and then make some decisions that are going to benefit the you know the the organization or the business that you work for.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And on that note, thank you for your time, Phil. It's been wonderful having you on.
0: Not a problem. Thanks a lot.
1: Well, there you have it. Another great podcast with a collection of wonderful gems of knowledge and tips. So what were your key takeaways from the podcast? Here are mine. Number one, Phil's journey into the tech leadership space started with breaking stuff, i.e. testing. Very similar to my journey, in fact. And the learning and inspiration that comes from that well-intentioned destructive art is fascinating. The art of breaking something allows you to understand one, how it works and secondly, how it could work better. My second key takeaway is about Phil's leadership philosophy around purpose and autonomy. Firstly, knowing the why we're working on something and secondly, delegating the authority fully to the people, the boys and girls who are actually gonna do the work. And on that note, I also liked Phil's description of creating purposeful dissonance to keep our engineers on their toes i.e. creating experiments with controlled failures to see what's going to make things work better, be more resilient, and maybe even see innovative ways forward. My third key takeaway is around EasyJet's orange spirit, how it operates in its dynamic, fast-moving market, and the way it's pioneering the use of its tech to create big, fat feedback loops to drive the business and obsessively working to delight the customer and keeping them safe. And on top of that, some of the data is even being used for research and development and science in other unrelated areas. Great collaboration. And fourthly and finally, my final key takeaway is the importance of collaboration to ensure that the holiday experience is a good one, end to end. It's not just about EasyJet's part in that journey. It's affected by the whole holiday experience, end to end. So everybody involved, all the stakeholders, all the parts of the holiday need to work together to make sure the experience does not adversely affect any of their brands. Again, pointing to the art of collaboration. And thank you again, Phil. Thank you for your time. It's been wonderful hearing your experience and your knowledge and sharing your tips. And of course, to EasyJet, may the orange spirit continue to be with you. And finally... Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.